Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? to another edition of the Baltimore B-Town podcast. It is Wednesday night, August 10th, 2022. My name is Jake Luke, and I'm joined on my screen by Spencer Nathaniel Schultz. How's it going, pal? It's going well. Ravens football kicking off tomorrow. Had a little bit of a tough day today. Had an entire headphone fiasco. Had a long day and, and just was ready to go to the gym, you know, decompress, blow off some steam. Couldn't find my headphones. Sent me into an absolute tizzy. It had already taken pre-workout, so... We recovered from that, had a couple beers, but the Ravens are back preseason game one against probably their, their, their biggest kind of rival of the last couple of years, I'd say, really, including, I guess you can make an argument for the Browns, I would say. Those are, those are probably the top two. Tutu shaking himself off here in the background, but those are probably the two biggest rivals the Ravens have had in the last several years, so absolutely pumped up for this one. I'm fired up. Hope you're fired up, too, and ready to talk some ball. We're, we're, we're getting into the swing of things. Yeah, it's time to talk ball for the first time in many, many, many months. I know it's only a preseason game, but it always it feels good to be back into the rhythm of preview, review, talk like actual football as opposed to whatever it is that we're doing in the offseason. It's always great. It's always fun and a nice kind of reprieve. But uh, eventually you get to a point where it's time to get back to it. And uh, we're going to be doing that tonight with the preseason game with the Titans coming to town. Like you said, the biggest rival. And listen, there's a lot on the line here with the uh preseason streak uh you know a, on the line uh i think they already broke the record so it doesn't totally matter but uh who knows maybe maybe malik willis is going to come into baltimore and dance on that shield and uh play the spoiler here for johnny harbaugh certainly possible i believe there's a little a little bit of hidden controversy in the the streak i, th- I saw some some packers old heads saying that the packers actually uh also won a game against I think it was like I can't remember the year let's call it 1967 the college all-stars was an exhibition game that they also won so if you if you want to get into it with some real cheese heads there might might be a little a little controversy here so we'll uh we'll see if you want to prove the the Packer faithful wrong the the old cheese heads Lambo's true faithful 
I love I love the Packers. I love Packer fans, but like the Packer fans are the St. Louis Cardinals fans of the NFL. Like it's just that's the type of shit that you can expect from them. And like that's you know, listen, as somebody far be it for me as someone who, you know, made twelve plus hours of content about a football team in the nineteen sixties and you know, nineteen fifties, what are you gonna do? But it's let's maybe settle down a little bit. It's it's fine. You know, it's if you want the streak, you can have it. We're kind of just having a little fun. We are having a little fun. Most certainly are. The we'll we'll be fully in jest if the Ravens lose. We'll be fully in jest if the Ravens win. And we'll be ingesting many brouhaha's tomorrow. Glenn Davis, are you guys going? We we plan on attending. Yes, Glenn, most certainly. So I'd love to meet up with anyone going. DMs are always open as usual. But before we really dive into it, a little, little bit of news, a good bit of news. We had a really busy Monday, really busy kind of positive-ish day for the Ravens um, on, on many fronts. So I wanted to get into some of those things before we dive on in. Yeah, we uh, we probably would have we probably would have covered it uh, on on my, okay, we got to read this. Uh, Numero Spencer, I'm I really dig your haircut. In fact, I'm planning on getting that exact cut tomorrow at the barber. Would you mind showing me the back of your head super quick? Love you guys. Go Ravens. Mm. There's a twirl for you. There's the full spin. Um, that's what you're looking for. The full spin, my friend. Absolutely. So go go get that haircut. Ravens go get a dub. But let's uh, let's get into it here. So number one, I guess our boy, Mr. Justin Tucker, the Rofo kid himself, signs a, another record-breaking extension with the Ravens. Four years, twenty-six and a half million. Is that right, Jakey? Twenty-four and a half. I want to let me pull the exact numbers up, uh, but yeah, go ahead and uh, keep keep you know illuminating us on uh, what you what you think. We've got twenty-four million, six million annually, with seventeen and a half guaranteed, and an eleven point five million dollar signing bonus. And if you go look at the picture the Ravens posted, which you might be able to find, but but Mrs. Uh, what's her name, Amanda Tucker? Amanda Bass Tucker, yes. Amanda Bass Tucker. She was. So happy. The most happy woman on earth. She she married a kicker, and guess what? He got that linebacker money, baby. He got a, a big old contract, so no one is happier than Mrs. Amanda Bass Tucker. The, the pure joy and elation, only, only playing around, but there's only one kicker I would pay significant money in the NFL. It is Justin Tucker. He, I, If you've been a long-time listener, you know I'm not... I appreciate the finer points, the technical points of, of the P's and keys. You're a, little bit, you're a little bit of a hater. Let's just call it what it is. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm definitely a I, – I like, you know, punting. I like special teams a lot. I like uh, snapping. I like the, the technical aspects of it, but I don't believe in using a lot of your capital on it. So with that being said, Justin Tucker's the only one. Chris Boswell signs an extension with the Steelers. The Ravens instantly are like, nope. Tucker's like, nope, we're, we're not doing that second highest paid kicker thing just to show how far and away he truly is the best at his job, the best at his position. Nobody else, man. So, so many great memories with Tucker. We've reminisced quite a few times, both of those Lions games, you know, the, the Super Bowl run, some big kicks there as well. And just keep on keeping on. The man is automatic. He is ultra clutch and love to see it. Yeah, you do. Uh, it's just one of those things where uh, it's a total formality. He is getting that linebacker money and he is a hundred percent worth it. And it's for all the reasons that you mentioned you know, the kicks against the, the kicks, we should, you know, not forget that he kicked a 61 yard game winner against the Lions as well. Not to mention the 66 yard all time record uh, last year, which was literally a uh, uh, walk off as opposed to the other one. All the uh, signature kicks 
uh, in the regular season that he's had. He had the, you know, Denver won 47 yards and double overtime. And then uh, he actually, you know, game winning field goal technically in the Super Bowl. I mean, it didn't like win the game for them in the game winning field goal sense, but it was proved to be the winning points when they ended up taking that safety. So and he certainly didn't miss. Yeah, no, he didn't. And uh, God damn it, if he had just gotten that extra yard on the field goal fake in that game, then, you know, he would he, that would have been just incredible. You know, they, they really would have poured it on from there. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, yeah, and 100 percent worth it. And uh, you can you can always tell, uh, too, when people are really trying to stir things up, like when he comes up and for whatever reason, it's not even like the Adam Vinatieri conversation, which I think has kind of jumped the shark a little bit. I think that because I think it's not a conversation. Obviously, I'm biased towards JT, but. You can always tell when this happens and it's like you get the people that are like, oh, not worth paying a kicker no matter what, which I saw that going around. And then I saw uh, somebody else uh, talking about, oh, well, where is signature kicks? And this kind of is the Vinatieri thing. It's like, well, what what has he done in the postseason? It's like, well, all the stuff I just mentioned, you know, in 2012 and then, you know, they cite this like 80 percent record. It's like, okay, well, you can probably factor that Buffalo game in where they were playing in gale force winds and below freezing weather and he missed two kicks that he got gusted on. So it's just, you know, let's, let's calm down with trying to be controversial around Justin Tucker. Let's all just from any fan base that is not the Ravens. I think it's one of the least controversial things from, from an outsider's perspective. It's the least controversial thing possible. You pay Justin Tucker. He's the highest paid kicker. He is the kicker that impacts play calling that impacts everything. You, you have a different mentality at the end of a game, 57 straight, fourth quarter and overtime makes despite him having, I think the second longest average make and the longest average miss in the NFL per Kyle P Barber's uh, annual kicking report. So it doesn't get better than Tucker. He changes the game. He is a weapon. He makes you in range. Once you, once you cross the 50 line, 50 yard line, um, all of those things. So if you have every, any controversy, you know, everything has to be controversial to a few that is, the uh, the what what the globalization and social media and all of those things ultimately do to us, but it's it's the least controversial thing if you ask anyone who is not a Ravens fan. I assure you. Yeah, you only got so much hot take capital to throw around, right? Like you can only do equity, so many. Yeah, you, 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 don't don't spend your equity. Don't spend your take equity on Justin Tucker. Yeah, like let's let's take that elsewhere. Let's get into some you know Skip Bayless kind of like Aaron Rodgers, LeBron stuff. You know, let's let's keep it simple. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much all we have to say on that. He's got another four years on that contract. It's well-deserved, and I'm excited to see how far, how deep he can take this thing because some kickers kick well into their 40s. Look at Vinatieri. You know, he did it for so long. A little bit of a compiler, might I add. So if, you know, Tuck can continue to compile himself, maybe pick up another ring or two, have a couple more postseason moments, then, uh, yeah, undisputed GOAT uh, already in my eyes, and then he will be in everyone else's. So very exciting stuff. Most certainly. Then we also, same day, had Mr. J.K. Dobbins clearing his physical. He passed his physical, gets out onto the field, does individual work, which I expect to be pretty much the the meat and potatoes of what he's doing, if not only what he's doing over the next couple of weeks. Uh, many takes on that. You know, some people using up that take equity on, you know, he shouldn't shouldn't have happened yet, all of those kinds of things. But at the same time, he is going to be sore. He is going to open up. People are micro analyzing clips shot by Jamison Hensley at a hundred feet out on an iPhone uh, to, to say he has a gate when he's running. And guess what? You're probably right. He probably does have a gate. It does look that way. But then we get John Harbaugh on XM radio today, actually clarifying how he does in the next two weeks is going to tell the story. 
He has got to get in shape. His leg got really tired yesterday just through the individual period because he's been rehabbing. And I believe that quote went on to also say, the range of motion, quickness, extending it when he strides, those are the kinds of things that will tell the story. So it's his first, it was his first day back. So yes, he probably is very tight. He is going to be very sore. Uh, you as a, a one-time ACL survivor also know that story. It changes you forever. Um, and, and Hey, you know, there are the Adrian Petersons of the world that come back bigger, faster, stronger, better through, through whatever methods that occurred, we will never know, but it changes you forever. It, it is different. Your body is different. I think is the most simple way to put it. And yeah, he's going to be sore. He's going to be tired. He's going to have to get into football shape. He's not going to be a hundred percent. He's not going to be ready to go week one to the JK Dobbins. We saw that led all running backs with six yards per carry in 2020. So activated great news. The first of hopefully many to be activated. Yeah, they also, I, you know, I don't think they need or want him to be 100% week one either. You know, I'm a huge fresh legs guy. And the fact that they got Davis in house, and I'm sure he's going to be looking fine. They got Tyler Beatty, Justice Hill actually turning some heads out there, which is great to hear. He also missed the year uh, to injury in 2021. So they got a, they got a stable of boys ready to roll here. And I think JK is going to be ready to go for week one, but they're not going to need to lean on him. And, it's a scary proposition, the idea of having J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards on some relatively fresh legs, let's say around week eight or week nine. That's a you know, pretty pretty scary prop for the rest of uh, the AFC, in my opinion. Definitely. And on that, Harbaugh gave us even more insight. Some of them were, were very vague, as Harbaugh loves to do, particular to injuries. And of course, always going to be that from the coach, especially from one Mr. John Harbaugh, going to be an air of mystery he wants to leave out there. But Ronnie Stanley goes ahead, posts an Instagram uh, the, uh, insinuating that he's going to be returning. John Harbaugh on the injuries, injury returns of Ronnie Stanley and Tyus Bowser from SiriusXM today. Ronnie's looking good. I think he's got a shot for the first game. Of course, you want those guys to practice two to three weeks. Tyus, same thing. So very vague, but, you know, looking good. Yeah, we'll see. They want to get him a couple weeks. That is, that is all true. Then on Gus Edwards, Gus is doing really well. He's kind of a patient rehab guy, which is such a fun little nugget that Harbaugh put in there. He's a, he's a patient rehab guy. Uh, I don't know that he'll be the first week, but before the season's over, he's going to be roaring and ready to go. A patient rehab guy, man. <laughs> I, me too. I think yeah. I fall into that. Yeah. Put me in rehab. I'll be patient. Yeah. Take your time. Please just take your time with that stuff. But yeah, yeah, that is, that is a funny tidbit of, of course there from John. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm hundred percent with you. I think uh, taking your time with these guys and yeah, managing like, Managing the PR side of it, too, is important where you don't want to give like an answer on Stanley. You don't want to give an answer on Gus or anything right now because it can just bite you. I think Harbaugh, like I think he is for nothing to gain by giving any sort of definitive answer. He is scarred by that Brashad Perryman summer where he was like giving these, you know, detailed reports like he was like a surgeon, like just like telling everyone like, you know, this is what's happening. This is what he's it's the slowest healing ACL ever. He's got this going on. It's like, oh, no, just like. We're all just going to come up with one company line, and when they come back, they come back. It's it's legitimately like when you're on a road trip with your kids. When we get there, we get there. Exactly. Uh, I guess we'll see, as we like to say. I guess we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, we don't uh, yeah. know what happen, but it's what's but it's going to be fun to watch. Yes, exactly. So then he said a it, somehow misinterpreted. Uh, Shout out our boy Ramey, I think uh, very similarly. Actually, I'm not going to get into it for uh, for legal reasons on a similar. Little snafu I had when attending one Towson University where I uh, allegedly peed on a car. But David Ojabo basically said, wow. I'm going to be ready by midseason. 
And then uh, Harbaugh said, I guess we'll see. You know, that's what he told me. And then that was interpreted as uh, he's going to be ready midseason. So we'll yeah, see. That, that. that was actually a shout out to Sarah, a friend of the show. She had uh, pulled that, I think, from SiriusXM. But like she did the quote at first. And so I think she what she did was she might have misinterpreted it or something, but she just tweeted the quote out. And I was like, oh, shit. And then like the audio came out a little bit later. So not like not blaming anyone, of course, but it's no, just no, like, no. funny how we've, that- we've all anyone, anyone who covers the Ravens in, the, in this entire Baltimore sphere gets, uh, you know, gets ripped apart on a tweet at some point of something that wasn't full context. It's very hard to do. There's the it, shout out to all the big J's that consistently do it. That's that's all I'll say. Um, but yeah, yeah, so Jabo, he's very hopeful. Harbaugh then says, we've got to get some football legs on him because it, right now it looks like he has some beach legs, which is I don't uh, know. I took a little bit of exception to that. That was that was a little tongue in cheek for sure. A little little tongue in cheek. I have listen, I have beach legs. Many people are asking if, you know, hot dogs are legs. That is true. That is true. I, I think I, I think I've always got my my sea legs on me. I'm ready to go. I got the trunks, baby. But so we'll see, you know, we're, we're not going to expect a ton from a job. I think the most interesting quote aside from that was something much more definitive. And I, I think this is the one intentional statement that John Harbaugh made. And the, the quote on Isaiah likely that he's going to be a big part of the offense. And I think that is, you know, and, and of course we love speculation season. We also hate it many times, but I think the point of that statement is for him to make that statement so that one Mr. Isaiah likely sees that and knows that and feels that having a very strong camp by all accounts. So, you know, giving him that confidence, you're that guy, pal, you're him, himothy. Oh my God, I would say is uh, synonymous with what John Harbaugh said. And I think a lot of Ravens fans are hoping for, so we'll, we'll get into this preseason coverage. And I don't know that there's many more people or many other players that we want to see, go prove it and go do it and would provide a much needed sense of uh, relief to the fan base. than if Mr. Isaiah likely is a big part of the pass game. Yeah, for sure. It's saying it seems like they they just absolutely love him. I mean, you got to, I was watching Ravens Wire before we got going uh going here, and there's a clip of Harbaugh kind of sidling up to him and making a little uh, pun with his last name there, which people are already kind of running with. And so, uh, you know, it's just people are people are loving the guy. Mark Andrews is talking him up. He's uh, there's a little bit of a, a golden child thing going on here with Likely, which I'm I'm loving, and I'm also loving that for Charlie Kohler, who is uh, coming into camp with pretty much zero expectations. Very well said. And I know that I think one point Mark Andrews said something along the lines of he's got a little bit of me and him pause. Oh my God, wait, what? But I see, I feel like I see Hayden Hurst in a lot of ways. I feel like like the, the run after the catch, kind of the structure, just, just maybe aesthetically as well. Very similar kind of the way the shoulder pads look like whole thing, whole thing kind of reminds me of Hayden Hurst. You got to get a couple Delaney Walker comparisons too, which I also like. You're a, you're a, one of the bigger Delaney Walker fans of a, I, I fucking love Delaney Walker. Like he, for someone that's not a 49ers or Titans fan, I'd say you're like a top 1% Delaney Walker. Fan. His career is so interesting to me because he when he went to the 49ers, he was a, a complete blocking full uh, blocking tight end, basically a fullback. Like he in that Super Bowl, like Vernon Davis was the, you know, deep threat and he was kind of just the blocker. I remember he fucking cut Ed Reed in half on the Frank Gore touchdown run in that game. Then he like, he goes to, he leaves Harbaugh and Roman's offense and he goes to Tennessee and he turned it just somehow turned into one of the best receiving tight ends in the league. And uh, I think he's, you know, a, uh, a prototype that you would like to be able to mold yourself after kind of all around, not overly tall, you know, just an, a very interesting player. And I think likely kind of reminds me of that a little bit. Definitely the versatility vibes, um, all of those things. So, 
I guess to, to tease what we're going to get into now, what, what do we have anything else? Vince Beagle, Achilles. I don't know if we've touched on, you know, we might've touched on that, but yeah, that's really unfortunate. Cause I mean, not even just for the team, but for him, cause he's a guy who's kind of wanted to catch on somewhere. He's been trying to the last several years and uh, he, you know, he was balling out in camp and, Suffers that, and uh, he's he's going to be done for the year, which is really unfortunate for him and unfortunate for the linebacking core too. I mean, like the you know they've got some star power, but you know there's also some some unknowns that they're going to have to work through here. So, yeah, a couple quick hitters before we get into it. I saw that the Ravens are being given the ninth best odds to be the last undefeated team in the NFL, which of course will account for schedule a little bit. I think the Ravens are eighth, also though, to win the NFC or the AFC. Pardon me. And uh, generally sitting in that comfortable Raven zone of seven through 12 for most props and futures of uh, anything, anything in that sense. So the Ravens are sitting in a very similar place to where I feel that they were pre Flacco flaming out and pre Lamar Jackson era. I think narrative wise, I think kind of general media buzz going into the first preseason game. Not that the preseason's games will change a ton, but I, I expect that's where they're kind of going to be going into the season. So Vegas sees them, I feel like, where they were for a long time when they were successful. Yeah, just kind of right in the uh, right in the thick of that AFC, but not really like the the top one ever. Like upper middle management. Yeah, exactly. He's uh, you know he's he's Lumberg. The Ravens are Lumberg, um, but. Yeah, kind of. It does feel like that, where it was New England's going to win it every year, and then it's it's us to it's up to us or Pittsburgh to take that second spot. That's kind of how it felt for, you know, three or four years there with Flacco. Um, and yeah, I feel like it's uh, I, I think the AFC is a lot more loaded right now than then, but you can't convince me that they have a much worse shot than some of these other teams to be in that uh, that conversation for the top spot, second spot, third spot. So yeah, they're they're nestled, nestled kind of comfortably in there, and there's not a lot of hype, which I like a lot. Exactly. That's our comfort zone. That's what we grew up. That's that's how it was growing up. That's where the Ravens were. So that is our comfort zone. Definitely think of, you know, mommy's cookies and milk uh, being being served on, you know, a, a winter day. So love to see that. Absolutely. I guess the last piece here, Don C reminds us, maybe, but maybe before we forgot, I don't know about you, but I definitely was. So Roquan Smith uh, requests a trade and just buzzing, just the media is buzzing, putting the Ravens as a very prime candidate, many, many, many lists of top five best destinations. I think that odds have uh, have the Ravens as the third better, aside from staying in Chicago. So Roquan Smith, you know, very interesting. And, and I think something I've been diving into, I have an article on the way of what will Mike McDonald's defense look like, look like especially personnel-wise in terms of nickel, dime, base, all of those kinds of things. Um, our boy, friend of the pod, Derek Clausen at QB Kloss on Twitter – Big linebacker guy. He's a big quarterback guy, and he's a big linebacker guy, the quarterback of the defense, of course. We had him on to mainly like break down Patrick Queen versus Kenneth Murray. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. That was in his early linebacker days, too. So um, he unfollowed me at some point, too, but still a friend of the pod, ultimately. Anyway, I digress. But Roquan Smith, to me, is probably – I'm not going to pretend I've, I've studied him as much as I study Ravens players or AFC North opponents. The Ravens played the Bears last year. Definitely saw a couple of things, all of those things. But – Linebacker, obviously, my favorite position as well. Always has been. Big Ray Lewis guy, all of those things. In what I've seen, there is maybe one, and I will say I'll give Warner the edge in this specific thing because of his length. There is maybe three total linebackers in the NFL that are actually true linebackers that you trust to go carry the seam consistently 
against slot receivers, tight ends, wherever it is. And it's Fred Warner and Roquan Smith. He has bad PFF run grades, which we've, we've talked about, you know, defensively always going to be tough to know who made the boo-boo, who made the error, all of those things. But if you add him to a defense and I don't, I don't care, you know, we can get into the cap of it. We can get into the trading it and, and all those kinds of things. But the reason that I just like to talk about it and think it's fun is because thinking about the type of player that the Ravens have, have spent their capital on, Marcus Williams, Kyle Hamilton, Marlon Humphrey, Patrick Queen, uh, Odafe Owe, Tyus Bowser, those kind of thinner, explosive players that have explosive pursuit speed and, and really are able to, to be versatile in coverage in many ways, that's who the Ravens like. That is what they have bought into. That's what Eric DaCosta seems to have bought into. And as I'm going through this article, so I'll definitely spoil that stuff. You know, what we saw last year, been a bunch of talk about, you know, oh, well, the Ravens are, they have Kyle Hamilton now, and they have Chuck Clark, and they have Marcus Williams. So they're going to be using Dime at a prolific rate. Dime in the NFL last season, for as much talk, it almost reminds me of Dan Orlovsky a couple weeks ago saying, you know, oh, well, the Ravens 13 personnel with three tight ends is going to be back, and that's why Lamar Jackson won the MVP. It's like, well, Dan, they only used 13 personnel about 5% of the time that year. Dime, and Dime also including what Football Outsiders calls Dime Plus, which is anything with six or more defensive backs. It'll be dollar, you know, seven DBs, all that stuff. 13.9% of all defensive plays in the NFL last year were in what they call Dime Plus. That was down a percentage point from 14.9 in 2020. And let's see here, the, the highest rates of Dime in 2021, there was only one team in the entire NFL, the Miami Dolphins, who trailed a lot, especially early in the season, and yes, did beat our Ravens. They were the only team in the NFL to use dime on 30% of plays or more. The Ravens were 11th with 20% of their plays coming in dime. Nickel is obviously king. The Bills, 92%, all the way through. You know, The, the, the Dolphins were the outlier, nickel with 33%, but they also used so much dime. So to think, essentially, in, in summary – about 85, 84, 85% of plays have two linebackers on the field. Linebacker is not running back. It is not devalued. The skill set is endlessly different. So I find that fit very fun. Getting into the cap side of it, you know, the track capital side, all, all of that kind of things. What you're trading, sure. I, you, you can say whatever you want. I don't care. But I really love the idea of that. I think it would be a ton of fun. I think it suits what the Ravens would be into. And I get why people are saying it's a good fit. Yeah, and that's where it is, I think, two different conversations that I agree with both sides of, wherein I totally hear what you're saying. Uh, I love, love, love the player. I know the Ravens do, too, because Eric DaCosta has mentioned this guy um, more than once, I think. Like, when he's just unprompted in the media, he'll, like, bring up Roquan Smith as, like, a draft crush of his from, I think, was it 2018 that he got drafted? He does. That's a great call. I didn't even think yeah. about that. And so you can just tell, like, you can tell that he's got his guys around the league, and this is definitely one of them. Um, but, yeah, it's just, like, I, I said it on Twitter, like, right as soon as it got announced that he requested a trade. Right player. And when I say right player, I mean it could not be more perfect of a player. Wrong price, but also wrong time. Like, I just think it's not exactly the right time to make a splash move like this. I think you are going to have to give up some significant capital, probably a second-round pick at uh, at best for you, maybe more than that. And uh, just looking at like looking at the contract, which you are going to have to pay out next year, unless you want to do franchise tag, which I wouldn't recommend either. Uh, I want to shout out um, Quentin Kreshko, I think is how you say it, the uh, Butkus stats on tap on Twitter. He's a Bears guy. 
uh, does some, I think, cap stuff. And uh, yeah, just really, really sharp. He actually like just tweeted out. And as you were talking there, I was reading through his article, kind of projecting a contract for him. And he said like a front loaded kind of 16.9, around 17 million average annual value, which would put him, I think, just behind Fred Warner. And I guess now Shaq Leonard, not Darius Leonard. Like that's that's perfect. That's totally fine. And like in a vacuum and maybe not even in a vacuum, maybe in even a little bit better of a situation for the Ravens, I would pay this. It's just a really weird spot to be in where you kind of do need to keep counting on Patrick Queen here. And you kind of do have other needs that you maybe still need to fill and you kind of don't have a lot of cap space already to work with that you're going to need to take some into the season in case you need to make some moves so you know this is definitely exactly right perfect player but it's just not exactly the right time for me definitely i i can hear all those points out i would say that this is my my expected thing is that as i've said many times before decosta will probably call probably ask the price if it's not a bargain then he'll 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 he'll, he'll keep his Keep his ear there, whisper some sweet nothings to uh, one Ryan Poles and continue continue to stay there, but they're not going to part with the first for him. They're not probably going to want to part with the second. You can get him for a third, and, and you can get to the financials one way or another. Um, if they were to spend their their big spend of, of kind of during the season, I would love that. Joshua Richter here, midseason trade candidate. Absolutely. And, and I really do like trading for defensive players midseason as opposed to offensive players. I think Defense is just a little tiny bit more universal in many ways than offense, and, and you can integrate a little quicker, um, get guys you know playing playing pretty heavy snaps, all of those things. So I think that's a great point there. Uh, yeah, probably too expensive. Again, wh- whoever's paid towards the top of the market, you're not getting value on that deal. And we know that the Ravens don't like to overpay. They don't like to set the market, especially out of house, aside from Marcus Williams. So. And if you want to rent him for a second or a third round pick, like like Josh is saying there, midseason when you know who you are and where you're going a little bit more than where you are right now, you're just in a weird spot where there's uncertainty about this team and what this defense is going to look like, what this offense is going to look like. You know, are you going to need to have some more space open to make a move there? And yeah, I just I keep coming back to this receiver thing, not to beat a dead horse. I know people are doing it on Twitter. Uh, you know, Deuce was making a joke there in the comments. Uh, about the, you know, they'll find a way to nab Roquan Smith, but a receiver is too much to ask. It's like, you know, it just feels like. But it is, but but it is too much to ask because all they've showed us is that they don't think they've built their offense and allocated their their capital to to butt to nip the wide receiver market in the butt. They don't believe that paying for a receiver is is in the benefit of what they're trying to do right now. So I think that's I think that's spot on. And I agree with them in terms of free agency fool's gold. You're, you're, the, you're the bubble king. What's that? You're the bubble king. Yeah, exactly. And I, I totally like I totally am with all of that. But it's also like you can't just ignore the position. And I feel like they kind of ignored the position this offseason a little bit. And hearing some of these reports out of camp, I'm not too happy about it. Definitely, definitely can see that. Absolutely. But midseason trade for Roqu- Roquan Smith. Would make a ton of sense. Not sure how long he plans on holding out. We're going to sure put a firm, putting a firm watch this space on Roquan Smith. Love that. Love that. Um, definitely. I think if if they can't find a better deal on something that they need more, then absolutely makes a ton of sense. And it, again, it it it's just tough because you, I'm writing this article, Mike McDonald's defense, and I'm thinking, you know, a, kind of a, a sub narrative of it is they tell us who they are before the season starts with how they spend their assets. Patrick Queen, first-round investment, definitely late first-round pick, but nonetheless, high, high pick for a linebacker. 
ultimately, and nothing else. They are happy with Josh Bynes, Malik Harrison, Christian Welch. You know, we'll see what Zacoby McLean, those guys do. We're pumped for to see what they do in the preseason, all of those things. But as of now, that's telling us they don't care much about that position relative to the market. They're telling us they don't care much about receiver relative to the market, um, all of those things. So very, very intriguing hypothetical there that I thought was a lot of fun, especially considering he is pretty similar to Patrick Queen in a lot of ways. Definitely a player that has been better in coverage tenfold, uh, all, all of those things. So fun hypothetical, I thought, very interesting. The fit, you know, the need are all there, but the the cost probably too great as Eric DaCosta is a discount double-check bargain hunter. Yeah, absolutely. So is that uh, all we got on old uh, on old Roquan there? All we got on old Roquan. I guess that gets us into our uh, our little preview here. All right, so what are we looking for from the offense in this Ravens game tomorrow night? The offense, I am certainly, and we can go many directions. We already talked on on one Mr. Uh, De Gorilla for Isaiah Likely. You want to go see him look a class above everyone else. You want to hear the hype. Uh, wait, what a story behind that that Jonas uh, dug up. Go ahead. <laughs> let me see if I can. Let me see if I can find that. You can I, I can. I can filibuster here while you're scanning. So definitely want to see him put the pedal to the metal under the lights. All of those things. Feels like he did it at Coastal Carolina. He was prolific there. We overrate production or we underrate production in, in smaller conferences, things like that, when it does kind of sometimes transfer a little better than we think, all of those things. So him, we want to see if he is him, Himothy, him. Oh, my God, it's him. We want to see that from Isaiah Likely most certainly. Jonah Schaefer, last question. Can you tell me about the origin of your Twitter handle, at Gorilla 4 Isaiah Likely. Everybody wants to be king of the jungle, but I'm different. Everybody wants to be a lion. Everybody wants to be quote unquote king of the jungle, but a lion never tests a gorilla. And that's what I am. I ain't never been tested. So I'm a gorilla. That's such that's such fun logic. Like you we we ha- we don't see lions and gorillas fight. Honestly, been, a, been a lot of been a lot of grizzly bear versus gorilla talk lately here too. If you had told me that that was like a Michael Scott like talking head like scene from the office and like peak office to like 2005 like i would believe it definitely definitely agree there so what do they do with him we got uh deuce asking can isaiah likely play the z joshua got a little banter going on in the comments here that's what we want to see where's he lining up where are they putting him where is he in the backfield probably a little bit is he going to be split out wide probably a little bit is he going to be iso i think so i think i think they're going to move him all around um all kinds of stuff i don't think they're looking for him they've got Boyle. they've got ricard um, some, some other bodies in that same sense. They don't need a ton of snaps in line. Will he get some? I'm sure. I'm sure he will get some. But looking to see where they align him specifically, feel like over preseason he will show he is him, Himothy. Oh, my God, it's him. Um, so, so our attention definitely goes there. Absolutely. Yeah, he's uh, definitely the guy to the point where, like, I'm curious how much they're even going to play him. Like, it feels like he he they're already, like, talking about this as if it's a formality that he's going to have big involvement in this offense this year. So if we're coming into this preseason scarred from what happened last August, where you're losing guys left and right, both in the games and in practice, at what point do you kind of just like, is it bubble wrap season for a lot of these guys, him included? But I think we do need to see a little bit from him. And uh, yeah, he's definitely, I think the guy to look out for. hundred percent offensively. Otherwise we'll get into the receivers in a second, but I'm, I'm looking at Tyler Beatty, man. What are, what, what are we going to see here? Is, is he going to look the part? We were doing Jeopardy the last episode and had uh, Jordan Jordan Katz say, you know, so underrated in the SEC, went for 1,800 yards. Like, 
he did. He, he was a super productive player and everybody knew he was getting the ball and he was still super productive. Shows a lot in the pass catching game, has some explosiveness to him, uh, all of those kinds of things. So, so out of that running back room, definitely want to see that. guess we'll see some more Nate McCrary round two. Um, I, I guess some Justice Hill a little bit and, uh, and probably some Corey Clement there. So these backs are going to have a ton of opportunity to, to go prove some things. A couple of them with some significant NFL experience in Hill and, and Clement. Uh, McCrary got got a little hint of it, so I think these backs might might kind of shine, especially if the line holds up decently. I think we got lost, Jakey boy, for a quick second there, but backs wise, certainly, certainly, certainly intrigued. Um, and then we'll we'll get into, I guess, the the big talk. We can talk about the big boys, but all eyes are ultimately going to be on these receivers. Jalen Moore has been a, a darling and someone that shined last year in camp many, many times. Also, Benjamin Victor, someone else who has shined many, many times last year. They kept both of those guys around. They felt much deeper and more robust in the wide receiver department last year. They had Sammy Watkins. They had Marquise Brown, two, two major players that are now gone in many ways. So all of those options now ultimately opened up for guys like Malachi Polk, guys like Shamar Bridges, Devin Williams, Jalen Moore, Benjamin Victor, um, Slade Bolden, I believe, did did come down with a little bit of a, an injury ish, a little hurt, a little. We'll go with the H word. He was hurt a little bit a couple days ago, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I think the same thing for Bailey Gaither. But those guys, man, all of that is wide open at this point. We know that Bateman, Duvernay, Prochet will be there. I uh, wouldn't really, I don't want to see any of Rashad Bateman, to be honest, put him on ice as much as possible. I think he's good to go. A healthy off season would be fantastic with no real hiccups. He did miss, I think two days, something along those lines, but very curious to see how the rest of the pack stands out. I think Tylen Wallace says, you know, is the kind of common answer of who do you need to, who, who has the most riding on tomorrow, all of those things can agree relatively, but, but I feel like more so it's those UDFA guys because Wallace probably has more of a guaranteed spot um I, I would think very much so so those wide receivers ultimately a ton a ton a ton of prerogative to, in order to play well hit the bill hit the nail on the head do all those kinds of things in my opinion benjamin victor is the one that has the skill set the ravens need most desperately it's a boundary body he's comfortable outside the numbers he has the the size all of those kinds of things so looking towards that udfa practice squad group um, he's the one that I'm most curious about. And then of course, Jalen Moore. So other guys, other answers, all kinds of things. We'll see who ends up making plays, but otherwise offensively along this offensive line, if you've been listening to the show for a little while, you know how excited I am about Daniel Filele. Daniel Filele is, is our darling alien King been super into him for quite some time and curious to see where his development is at all of those kinds of things. Can you hear me? We can hear you. Perfect. Yeah. I don't know what happened there. It, the, Mixer stayed on and everything, and it just all of a sudden disconnected from the uh, the computer and the software. But uh, well, I feel bustered uh, as, well, as well as I can, and you can go back and backtrack. How are you feeling? Let's talk about your boy. I don't know if there's a bigger Tylen Wallace truther fan, uh, someone in this universe that wants to see Tylen Wallace succeed outside of his friends and family and the Baltimore Ravens themselves than one Mr. Jake Luke. So talk to me about these receivers, baby. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a really big night for them, I think. Like, unironically, like, this is a pretty big opportunity to uh, 
prove whether you belong on the team, prove whether you're going to be a playmaker in the league, I think. And uh, Tylen Wallace, you know, kind of kind of top of that list there. He was a fourth round pick. A lot of people, myself included, yourself included, I think, viewed him as a steal in the fourth round last year. Didn't make much of an impact. And then uh, he comes into camp. Prolific special teams player. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But, you know, he's he's got to be more than that. Like and I think he wanted to be more than that. And he expected to be more than that. And he expects to be more than that. But uh, reviews out of camp so far, a little little muted, a little lukewarm. So uh, I think it's a big night for him to go out there and uh, prove that he can get some chemistry going with Huntley, um, get some chemistry going with whoever's going to be playing behind Huntley, um, and just kind of really show that when he's matched up against guys that aren't going to be playing on Sundays, that he's going to be separating from them, that he's going to be quicker than them, that he's going to have better hands, and then he can win in a phone booth like he did at Oklahoma State. So, yeah, huge opportunity for him. Huge opportunity for, I think, uh, you know, these other receivers that are also going to be on the roster bubble. I think it's a bigger conversation than it's been in a couple uh, years, you know, past where you've got the the Slade Boldens and the Jalen Moores, the Benjamin Victors, guys that, you know, this is certainly a better crop than, you know, 10 years ago where we make the Jeremy Butler jokes and everything like that. Like, I feel like all these guys could legitimately belong on an NFL, NFL roster in some capacity. And uh, it's going to be a big night from all of them, I think, or for all of them, uh, hopefully from all of them as well. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to have to see. And uh, this is a, a pretty critical juncture, I think, because guys are going to have to start stepping up before uh, the, the panic mode really gets hit with this position group, I think. Definitely. This is uh, the Ravens. Feels, feels like coaching staff and front offices shit or get off the pot in terms of are we, are we going to stay or are we going to go? Are we going to try and really – feel like we have what we need to go into week one, or are we desperate? We feel the receivers were endlessly not what we need and didn't, none of them separated and showed literally separated or figuratively separated and showed that they have what it takes to cut it above preseason com- competition. And if they don't feel that way, you know, Preston Williams, Lynn Bowden, there's, 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 there's no going to be cut candidates. There's going to be trade candidates, Darius Slate and all those kinds of guys. So the receivers, you know, again, we're, for you and I, Jake, this is year year five doing this. Yes. Four. Year four. Year four doing this, correct? Not Lamar Jackson's rookie year. We're 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 starting with 2019 MVP. That's when we started. So year four doing this, and Tylen Wallace has had a quiet camp. But guess what? How many guys have a bad camp and then light it up in the regular season or light it up in the preseason games out of nowhere or what whatever? And preseason games don't matter. Yada yada yada. But if you're a UDFA or a borderline guy and you don't light it up, guess what you're not going to do? Make the roster. The game is the penultimate of training camp. The preseason games are what defines who makes the roster. Pat McCary, when he was a UDFA, coming in, they put him at all five positions in one game. He looked sharp. They were like, we have a versatile NFL-capable lineman here. He's going to make the roster right now. Uh, All of those kinds of situations. So we can laugh about the preseason and the streak and all those things, but – that's where the, the UDFAs that make the roster come from. That's what determines who sticks around. It is the games at the end of the day more than it is it. It's not the only thing, but it is a lot of it. And I'm, I'm also, quarterbacks-wise, who is behind Tyler Huntley? A Huntley? I feel like that's a badass preseason quarterback to have. Got a lot of experience to him. He's been a, a you know number two a lot of places. Uh, not, not like you know Kenji Bahar last year, who's taken all the snaps and super incapable. I, you know, I respect Tyler Huntley and uh, he certainly played well at times last year, but Huntley, I think with his track record, like he might have a chance to play his way to number two on the QB depth chart. If everything goes like perfectly for him. 
I, I, I think I, I don't hate that statement. He certainly could light it up, look great, show like, all right, we got a little bit more of a vet, maybe, maybe, maybe. But um, I think they like the mobile aspect of, of Huntley a little bit more than of Hundley, than Anthony Brown and other mobile guys as well. So kind of, kind of excited to see. I feel like they've got good enough functional quarterbacks, which leads us to the offensive line as I filibustered for you for, for a second. But I couldn't be more excited about Daniel Falele. I also completely forgot that uh, Khalil McKenzie – is on the offensive side of the football. That that is going to be fun, just just strictly narrative wise. We might have lost him again for a quick second here, but ultimately, Khalil McKenzie on the offensive side, Tristan Cologne, Pat McCary, um, all these kinds. But I'm I'm really just most excited for Falele. We're going to get to see Ben Powers, Tyree Phillips, maybe a bit, um, but but not too much I'd say going on in that sense, other than Falele. Very curious to see how those play out. On that side of the football, Ben Mason, maybe we see get a good bit of run. Uh, someone who has a, a long shot to make the team, but probably going to be a practice squad guy, but I'm sure he's going to get a ton of run as well. Uh, his first true, true run in Baltimore as a someone who created a lot of kind of a little, little bit of fullback drama last year, ultimately. But flipping on over to the defensive side of the football, what is sparking your interest, Jakey boy? Uh, yeah, and so we're going to have to continue with crappy audio here tonight. I don't know what's going on with my mixer, but it's not cooperating, so sorry about that. Defensively, uh, I'm completely thrown for a loop here, but I'll try to get back into the uh, into the mixer. Give me, give me one name. Uh, give, me, give me one name here. You've, you've got a name. You've got a UDFA that you love. Give it to me. I, I know who it is. You know who well, it is, too. It's the, uh, it's the moon man, Jeremiah Moon. I mean, we, we have to see what this guy is going to, uh, you know, bring. I say that as if it's like this super high stakes thing. It's really not, but he could make the roster as a special teams guy. I've been saying this uh, going all the way back to probably when I first started watching him at the beginning of uh, beginning of the off season. I definitely viewed him as a sleeper. I had the idea that he could make any roster as a special teams guy, but especially in the special teams capital of the world, Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, and, you know, just a, a well-rounded game. The athleticism is, you know, it's there in some spots. It's maybe going to be a little bit uh, lesser in some spots. He's really going to have to uh, refine that craft and uh, just kind of work his way onto a roster the old-fashioned way for some of these undrafted guys. And uh, very excited to uh, see what he can do. He's getting some good buzz out of, out of camp. Is getting some good buzz. Him, Zacoby McLean, Josh Ross, all guys that played a lot. Diego Fago as well, all played a lot of linebacker in college. So they went the kind of experienced route. John Ross was Mike McDonald's Mike last year at, at Michigan as well. So Zacoby McLean. Decently prolific linebacker at Auburn. All of those guys going to get a ton, a ton, a ton of opportunities. Feels like in that same room, Malik Harrison and, and Christian Welch probably going to get a lot of snaps, I feel like, especially Welch. Um, I, would, I would think Harrison, too. Might see them like two, three games, like a half, it feels like. So those guys, I think, have a ton of opportunity. Welch last year got found himself into some sub packages on third down, defensive side of the football last year, working his tail off on special teams. Kind of one of those classic Baltimore special teams defensive player stories in, in tune with you saying Baltimore is the special teams capital of the world. So that room I'm very intrigued by. Again, we had the Roquan Smith discussion and, and it's a thin room, you know, Josh Bynes, um, Pat Queen and, you know, Malik Harrison there, I don't think is going to go anywhere, but other than that, you know, Welch definitely going to have a head start, but if those guys show something special, who knows? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, Welch has been a guy who's kind of been in that mix too for a couple of years now. So He's going to have a head up on some of those other guys and uh, just, you know, continue to keep developing that skill set. I think uh, it's, it's an exciting time for him as well. Most certainly. Then I think 
Let's see. I mean, obviously, Kyle, I'm going to say Kyle Hamilton is going to be the headliner, of course, of this defensive rookie class and, and really of this rookie class, especially considering Linderbaum out a couple weeks uh, with with a non. Thank you, John. Liz Franck injury. But Travis Jones. Thank you, thank you, Ian, by the way. Is there something going on here? Are they trying to smoke a rat out with this Ian Rappaport thing? Because he's been wrong twice in a row. And it's, it's giving me JLC vibes when they were trying to smoke somebody out. That is an amazing call that has not even registered in my head. They they might be throwing out some little little loose wrenches to see uh, who spills. And Rappaport I, has gotten a lot of stories over the years from there, and uh, it's it, they might the source of uh, you know who's giving them all that information might be under some fire here. And at this point, now that we're far removed, you know what we heard whispers of quite some time ago was that there was a a rat, a uh, a, a mock Wahlberg in the departed that was feeding a lot of direct info to Jason Lacanfora. And so what did they do? Fed him a little bit of, a little bit of rotten cheese and then smoked mm -hmm. him out. And uh, a lot of that went with Bradley Bozeman and Bradley Bozeman's agent. Not Bradley Bozeman himself, but a little bit of Bradley Bozeman's agent and some things soured in that sense. And that's kind of why we saw the Ravens end up in the Linderbaum direction and not retaining Bradley Bozeman because there was just a, a very toxic relationship of sorts going in that sense. But um, we, we have some funny comments in here, but anyway, so, uh, I think that's a very astute observation. And I would say that at this point, that little nugget of that, it's that they leaked to him or to that source that it's the Liz Frank injury. Uh, I think that would be done by now. I think whoever that would be is now no mas. If, if they got it, they got it. Cause that's a nice covert ops way of, of sniffing it out. I think that's a great call by you. Yeah, the J.K. Dobbins, the uh, the Tyler Linderbaum, that's twice now for Rap Sheet in like not even a month. So I feel for him as I, I like Ian a lot. He's uh, I think he's the most human of all these insiders, like by a mile. So I agree. Yeah, as well. yeah it's uh, it's been an interesting time for him, and it does it does kind of get it, you know the, the antenna went up a little bit after that second one that he was wrong on. But uh, I guess getting back into the game, yeah, I mean. Hamilton is a guy that uh, I did want to bring up as well. I'm curious to see with him how much they play him because he's another guy that they're going to need this year. But I do think they're going to probably try to have him out there for a series, and they're not going to show a ton on defense, but just kind of see what they get out of him and, uh, you know, just, you know, give him a little bit of run. Get him get him under the lights. Get him that NFL feeling a little bit. This isn't going to be like the COVID or like the last year even. It's going to be, you know, a decently sized crowd. Baltimore shows out for the preseason game. So I'm excited to see what Kyle Hamilton can do. Of course, and tons of buzz, you know, warranted, unwarranted, whatever around Hamilton. Quick sidebar. So I'm looking at the depth chart as we're going through here. The Ravens won the, the PR one they released. Note that I completely forgot about. I'm looking through the coaching staff, just, just looking for nuggets. A lot of the same faces. You know, they've, they've brought on a couple new guys, Zach Orbach in Baltimore, things like that. I completely forgot that Stern, one, one Banks is, boy, He's an offensive assistant now. He's a coach now. I completely forgot. Stern is is fully fully coached up. He's he's no. I might have missed that. Maybe I just forgot it, but I might have missed that entirely. He's an offensive assistant, so so the Yale kid is uh, making power moves there. But so anyway, is he still yeah, be, is he still going to be the math boy? I think he maybe maybe that happened last year, and because I remember, I think he's the one who feeds Harbaugh his quick his quick. Yeah, math. he does. He's that's actually like his. Maybe that's just player. what it was, and I'm mistaken. But listed on the coaching chart, I wasn't wasn't aware of that that he was technically. I think he off. sits next to. Ro he, I think he sat next to Roman even in that role, so maybe it makes sense for him to kind of wear both hats now. But Roman like pontificating to a to a young Yale math wizard just just sounds right. Just yeah, just fits the bill a little too a little too well. 
yeah, those guys, you know, there's maybe a little too much going on in those uh, inside those noggins. Definitely. So um, Hamilton, obviously, you know, we want to see him. He's a first round pick, one of the highest drafted Ravens in the Harbaugh era. All of those things. Absolutely. Headliner. Travis Jones couldn't couldn't be more excited for him. Someone that I had a, a you know, fringe one, two grade on right around that that 30 through 40 area. And another guy that feels like the Ravens stole and was dubbed as being the one of the big steals of the you know day two, all of those kinds of things. So Travis Jones with his dynamite hands. Michael Pierce has been giving some crazy eyeballs, talking about how insane he is. Calais Campbell with a clip, I think, when he was mic'd up at practice, saying, like, man, just wait till you have your grown man strength. I can't believe you don't even have that yet. You're, you're still so strong. Um, all of those kinds of things. So looking for Jones to go prove some things for sure. Um, a lot of guys there. Isaiah Mack, Aaron Crawford, guys that have been around the block for a little bit. And uh, certainly, certainly some to watch out for up front as well. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, that's going to be another key too is defensive line depth because that's something that you just really do take for granted, especially as a more casual fan. It's like you think about a, a defensive line, you're like, oh, it's and it's same thing with cornerbacks too. It's like, oh, we're stacked going into this year. Like, you know, they, they've got so much depth, and then injury, 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 and then you get to the, the end of the season and you're picking guys up off the street and uh, it's just one of those things where you can never have enough depth. So some of those late round guys, and I mean, Travis Jones, a third round pick with, you know, you said a first round grade on him. He was mocked to the Ravens in the first round many times. Uh, he's a guy who uh, he figures to not even be a rotational piece. I think he's, people are going to want him to, uh, to get in there and make an impact right away. And it sounds like he's been showing that in practice. So can he show it in a game against guys who he is ostensibly better than? Most certainly. Then that brings us to uh, to some of the other DBs here. You know, Geno Stone probably going to play a bit. Our Darius Washington uh, had an injury last year. Was a very kind of controversial non-draft. You know, UDFA didn't make the the opening didn't make the opening day roster, and then ends up being on the roster. Kind of had an interesting time. So um, rumblings we heard last year was that uh, the pardon me, the secondary coach, the the pass game, pass game coordinator defensively, Mr. Chris Hewitt really wanted him. Wink did not want him very much. So maybe that changed tides a little bit under Mike McDonald. Uh, very curious to see how that plays out. Pepe Williams, someone who's made a ton of plays throughout training camp, feels like a, a nice Tavon Young replacement, is also listed as the third punt returner as well. So I'm, I'm anticipating him to Get a little bit of action in that department, too. Maybe we see Beatty there, who's listed as a kick returner, too. Uh, pump for those guys. But Jalen Armour Davis, I know, has been banged up. I can't recall if he's been practicing or not. I know him and Brandon Stevens have been nursing some injuries and gotten some classic John Harbaugh. You know, they need to callous up kind of statements on those. Yeah, definitely. Which you, you got to be careful with that, I think, uh, as he learned last year. But, you know, it's it's going to be an interesting game. And uh, I guess we've covered the offense and the defense. Do we have anything else do we want to do? Uh, you know, we've done – Special teams, obviously, a little bit. Uh, with what Jordan you know. Stout going to be kicking some balls. So there we go. You know, see see the leg on that guy. Yeah, we, we saw a lot of him on Marlon Humphrey's uh, Instagram story today. Um, and yeah, he's that's uh, going to be very interesting. Uh, watching watching Stout, watching Cook, maybe on the sidelines coaching him up. Uh, and yeah, he's he's a guy who uh, I hope he does live up to that because people were, you know, all into this Matarazza thing, and then he was the pick, and then the Calvin Austin. It's yeah, it, it has potential to be a pick that people are looking back on and being a little salty about if it doesn't work out. So I'm looking forward to him shoving that in the haters face. Definitely. If he's not like a, you know, a solid NFL punter for like a decade, then someone's gonna be like, Oh, well look who was drafted 37 picks later. 
it was, you know, X defensive lineman that turned into a pro bowl or Eric Costa sucks. So that, that definitely is the realm of possibilities if he's not a 10 year punter, but just briefly touching on the Titans a bit, obviously a very exciting, fun draft class for them. I think Traylon Burks, who just doing some, some light digging here, saw our boy Dan Hansis uh, stepped in some poo poo and made like an apology on one of the shows, but it was kind of like a, Oh, I'm so sorry. Apology. He said the Titans used a first. This is what warranted the apology. The Titans used a first round pick on wide receiver Traylon Burks, but don't pencil him in for a huge role in the off- offense to start the season. Burks has had conditioning issues this spring, and reports out of training camp have not been kind. The Arkansas product has made mental and physical mistakes playing mostly with the second and third team offense. Burks isn't the first rookie to be swimming in it during his first training camp, but you get the certain feeling that Tennessee expected an instant impact on draft day. Hansis then walked back his statements. In reality, he didn't even do that. He downplayed the importance of his statements. He pushed back on to blame, going to other outlets and reporters because he didn't do enough research into what actually has gone on at Titans camp. This is, this is an article from AZ Sports, uh, who I guess covers Nashville. He finishes the quote-unquote apology by calling the Titans fan base one of the most sensitive in the NFL. Hansis then tells them to chill, quote-unquote, as well. Overall, not much of an apology at all, and Hansis confirmed as much after the segment was released. So it <laughs> goes on. This goes on and on and on. Dude, and I, then- fucking, I fucking love Dan. Like he's, like, he's legitimately, like, one of the reasons I'm doing this podcast. Like, around the NFL, like, I started listening to that in 2014. He's legitimately, and, like, he's good at his job as a, as a reporter, but he's one of the funniest guys in the industry. And, like, he has been on this Titans fan thing for, like, five years at this point. They're so sensitive. He calls them the Titans and everything. And, like, there's nobody that's better with, like, the smarmy humor and, like, the non-apologies. So this is just, like, you reading this to me is just, like, catnip. It's right up my alley. I love that. Uh, so they then retort that Sam Phelan of A to Z Sports addressed the controversy by saying he is stuck out for being a difference maker for the Titans offense and the trust that he's built with Ryan Tannehill is apparent to every beat reporter that has watched them interact on a daily basis. I would have no problem being critical of Burks if he had actually shown up to camp behind in conditioning or seemed like he hadn't made enough of an impact to warrant the reaction. So our boy Traylon Burks, someone I think we uh, we both liked a bit and, and thought was a possibility after the Hollywood Brown trade for sure uh, on draft day after I went back and listened to that fiasco of, of content where I was just in, in a – Howie Roseman just absolutely – put my mind in a bottle for quite some time. I think it was, honestly, I think it was good content for those reasons. I think you look at that and you're like, oh God. I was I'm disgusted with myself, but I'm sure people enjoy you're it. You're like, oh God, I was so frozen up. It's terrible. People, people are like, no, this is a meltdown. Like It's like the Matt Harvey Qualcomm moment on Dan Patrick. I'll, I'll take it. I'll absolutely take it. So other than that, I mean, they had a fun, weird rookie class. Malik Willis, obviously. He was the only quarterback I had a first round grade on. I, had, I thought he was going top 10. Uh, so I anticipate him. Rocking in the free world tomorrow. If if the Ravens preseason streak ends, one Malik Willis doing it to them, who kill him would not surprise me in any way, shape, or form. Roger McCreary, someone who was linked to the Ravens quite a bit as well. Nicholas Petit Friere, another one linked to the Ravens. I like Kyle Phillips, who has worked his way up into the Titans' first team in practice quite a bit alongside Robert Woods and the other receiver's name is escaping me, but Kyle Phillips has made a ton of hay this offseason so those are are the rookie class there i'm expecting a ton of action for those guys a a fun draft class i'd say for the titans and a a fun one for this game so very curious in in all of that uh a ton plus it's just you know like we said when we we started titans it is just a preseason game i'm sure 
you know, at this point when the intensity is not there, Harbaugh and Vrabel probably going to yuck it up a little bit more than they would in the regular season, or maybe they won't fucking talk to each other at all. Um, either or I would find completely hilarious. So excited to have the Titans back in town and uh, we'll, we'll see if there's any hijinks that ensue, but um, yeah, I think that, that about covers. I think we, we ripped into that bad boy pretty good. Yeah. I think for a, uh, for a rival too, I mean like this could be, if Malik Willis, and I don't think this is going to happen, I think he's going to have like a Lamar type preseason his rookie year. But if Malik Willis like goes out and like does stuff this preseason after Ryan Tannehill's playoff kind of, I think it's a little overblown, but people really getting on Ryan Tannehill for his playoff struggles the last couple of years. You know, this could get a little dicey for Tannehill and it could, you know, could signal a new era of Titans football. And Especially uh, A.J. Brown gone, you know, Henry coming off of injury has looked apparently very strong throughout camp, all of those things, but it, it could. This could be the beginning of uh, the beginning of the end of the Ryan Tannehill era, and I don't think that would surprise too many people. Malik Willis, you know, dubbed as someone needs a ton of development. In a lot of ways, you know, similar to Josh Allen coming out, and the one thing you'll hear anyone that, that knows their stuff say is, like, don't bet on a Josh Allen level of elevation from, you know, being, being a prospect into the NFL. It was pretty unprecedented, but Malik Willis has a lot of those same capabilities, and he doesn't need, you know, Josh Allen's an MVP caliber player, a top five quarterback in this league, and he, Malik Willis doesn't have to be that, but if he's a serviceable starter, then that's a fucking steal for the Titans. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, that's, it's going to be exciting to watch. Uh, like you said, I think we're both going to be planning to be in attendance, at least for some of it. So, uh, yeah, it'll be fun. We'll have a little uh, game review pod tomorrow night, I'd imagine. And, uh, you know, we're back, baby. Football is in full swing. We are so back. I'll be throwing up the old clips. Got my NFL what is it even called now? NFL Premium Plus subscription ready to rock and roll. Got all that NFL stuff. Premium Plus brought to you. By the way, if you are a season ticket holder, you do get that for free. If you're a PSL owner, you get that for free. They send you an email, just a little alert to you. How is that working out so far? I tried I messed around with it a little bit, and I was like, is this just Game Pass all over again? Let's go. I haven't even gone into it. I To, to tell on myself, I still use a VPN. I put myself in Petty. I use a VPN to NFL Game Pass Europe. And it is a much better product than what they had last year. I had both last year. So I've still been cutting up in that one. And they haven't really messed with that one because it's more niche, I feel like. So maybe I just ruined it for myself and, and spoiled it by whispering it out loud. But uh, ultimately, clips coming back up. Ramey here. We're here. We love you, baby. Um, Ramey just got in here. So, But, yeah, that, that about does it. We're going to be chopping it up. Uh, we got some – where are we sitting? We'll, we'll be all over. We've got seats. Uh, I'm in Section 134. I think somewhere around there, I'll probably pull Jake on over to there and we'll be somewhere up in there. DM us, DMs on the podcast, Beatdown Twitter, always open. My DMs, always open. Jake's DMs, always open. We're back. We're going to get Daniel Fa'alele film. We're going to get Travis Jones film. We're going to get Tyler Beatty film. We're going to get Kyle Hamilton, all these guys. So I'm pumped up. I'm excited. We're back, baby. As Jake said, as we always like to say, we are so back. The cadence is here. We're alive. I feel alive again. I'm ready to rock and roll as Tutu is getting fussy here, ready to uh, ready to end this podcast. Cool. Well, uh, go pay him some attention. Thank you guys for listening, watching as always. Sorry about my little audio snafu here. I'm going to have to figure this out after we get done. But uh, You're good, brother. Yeah. Uh, appreciate it as always. We'll talk to you guys again later in the week. See ya. Peace out. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age?
what are they getting? Everything out of me. They gonna get a Super Bowl out of me. Believe that. Believe that.